Your business is built on bold ideas. Bring them to life faster, push them farther, and scale them worldwide without skipping a beat using Microsoft Azure. Stay productive with familiar tools, develop and deploy where you want with a consistent hybrid environment and build engaging apps with intelligent features. Join the startups, governments, and 90% of Fortune 500 businesses running on Microsoft Cloud by starting your free account at azure.com slash trial. That's A-Z-U-R-E dot com slash trial. My guest today is executive editor and Polygon co-founder Chris Plant. My name is Charlie Hall, and you're listening to a special episode of Polygon's Quality Control. Thank you for joining me today, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for, for having me. You are, after all, the big boss around here. So I always, <laughs> I welcome another day on this earth in your service, sir. Um, we made a big announcement this week, and I wanted to get you on the old Quality Control podcast to talk about it. And I don't want to preempt you by any stretch. This is probably the first that our listeners are hearing about it, but Polygon is updating its reviews program in what way sir um you know i'm i'm kind of shy to talk about it because uh like you just said it's a big announcement and yet it feels um very um small in, in some capacity in in what sort of change it is but to get to this uh place it took a lot of legwork so it feels really big to me i am curious to our readers and listeners how it feels to them but yeah, the big change uh, is we have gotten rid of review scores, which is, I think, kind of a uh, structural um, relic in some capacity of uh, video game publications. And we've ch- exchanged it for a solution that I think better serves readers uh, and viewers and listeners in 2018. And that is in some way divorcing the two different responsibilities of a review. And I think in the past, a review has had to be two things at once. It's had to be a work of criticism, um, a uh, something that you can read or watch that illuminates a text so that when you go and play your game, you enjoy it more or you understand it better or you get a greater sense of the context around it. Um, you can better reflect on it. But then they've also had to serve as buyer's guides because games aren't cheap. They're not just expensive in dollars, they're incredibly expensive in time, especially as we move forward where games are expected to be individual hobbies almost, where you play Destiny for 200, 300, 400 hours to want to know if you should make that sort of investment is a legitimate question. So we've come up with a solution that I think allows us to do both those things without them kind of getting muddied together. Now, when when I joined Polygon, we we had recently rolled out as a website, first of all. We had also rolled out as a unique place to publish reviews and that we we approached reviews very differently. Polygon was and still is, I consider, quote unquote, a tough reviewer, right? We we had notoriously lower scores than than some of our competitors, if you will. And that was because I, I feel that we held games to a, a higher standard and expected more from them and, and tried to demand more and put that into our review structure. 
I also recall that we used to update reviews, Chris. When we, we, I, it's been a while since someone asked me to update a review. Is that a thing anymore? Uh, yes and no. Um, I guess to kind of like set this up, I'll, I'll just really quickly lay out the two core things that we're going to do. Um, and that will explain also how we're going to handle things like updates. So, uh, the, the first thing that we're doing is a thing called Polygon Recommends. And the idea behind this is when we play a game, um, on some capacity of release, whether that is, you know, early access or, uh, 1.0 release, and we really enjoy it, or we think there's something really fascinating going on with it, um, that we feel everybody should, uh, play it or, or, and I, I keep repeating this, but watch it. Like watching games is an increasingly a viable option for our audience. And if, if we recommend that we want a shorthand for it, uh, that can live at the top of a review. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to completely get rid of that idea of sometimes, you know, people land on our site and they just want to know, Hey, is this something I should care about? And then if it is, because I only have time for like the best things, then I'll then I'll read through the rest of the review or maybe I'll go give this a game a try. So this this badge will live on those things that, that we recommend. The other thing that we'll have is a thing called Polygon Essentials, which will be an even higher level version of this, which will be these living lists of the things that we recommend uh, per piece of hardware so you know if you have a switch and you want to know these aren't just the games we recommend these are the best of the best then you would be able to go to that so we're trying to meet people every which way if you want really in-depth criticism that's what our criticism will be if you come to that post and you just want to know should i go out and buy this the Polygon recommends badge. If it's there, it will let you know. And if you don't have time for any of that, and you're just Googling, what do I put on a Switch? I just bought it. We'll be there too. So we're, we're hitting all of those. What I think is really exciting about that, as simple as it sounds, is once we get rid of the score, we, we're not tied to the obligation of the score. Um, and by that, I mean, when you give something a one through 10, you are participating in something bigger than yourself as a publication. You are participating in Metacritic. You are participating in uh, people's bonuses being decided at, at video game studios. You are participating in a language that um, people understand a certain threshold of quality for, for these objects. And in, to participate in that, I think you you have to play the entire game um, and, and exhibit an extreme expertise in that. Uh, otherwise, it's a little unfair to, to the object, right? Where I feel like my hope is, and again, a lot of this is something that we'll be experimenting with, but by switching over to this recommends badge, we can recommend something even if we haven't completed it. But it's something that, you know, even in the hours that we've played, uh, if it's in early access, we still recommend people get behind. It also allows us to go back, and, and this is finally me, long walk, small glass of water, answering your question about updating a review. Instead of writing an update to a review, recognizing that a game can be entirely different two or three years on. So it's not that the review needs an update, it's that it needs another review. 
and and we've done this already um rocket league we had uh andrew hayward did a review of rocket league at three years that went live over the summer and he is i think an expert in the world of that game and his opinion of that game as somebody who lives in that community is very interesting and useful to me just as you know the opinion of rocket league by somebody playing it for the first time the week it came out is interesting they serve different purposes and I, I I don't want the reviews to be burdened by, hey, whoever reviewed it, you know, four years ago should come back and give their opinion of this. Maybe the game just didn't gel with them where, you know, say whoever reviewed Rainbow Six Siege today, I would be much more interested in somebody who's been playing it competitively for however many years to give their opinion of where the game is at right now. To be completely honest with you, as a consumer of video game reviews, because I am. I'm, I'm a, both a critic and a consumer of those products. I hate scores. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad for this. I, 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 it probably sounds like I'm putting you up against the wall here and really demanding some answers from you, but I am so on board with this because I am so much more interested in the byline, who it is that's writing about the story, and I am so much more interested in what they are saying about the game. One of the quotes from your piece that you put up on the site today, to push beyond the tired structure and language of review scores that has accumulated like verbal plague. Yeah. I think if I see the word visceral <laughs> or compelling one more time, I will scream. Chris. Yeah, I, 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 I remember, and this is not to dog on uh, this publication because they do a lot of fantastic work over there. Uh, but when one... One critic at IGN uh, recently went through a plagiarism um, controversy. And what I found really interesting when that happened were the number of people on social media who weren't sure if it was if it was an issue of plagiarism or if that the language of video game reviews is so predictable that it would be possible for two people to effectively write nearly identical reviews by just hitting the the go-to beats and without question the real problem here was plagiarism um or what very much appeared to be a history of it um but the fact that that was like a thing people were even bringing up uh as a <laughs> as something that could be real um really spoke to just how 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 troubled I think uh, the language of game reviews is uh, right now. And that, that isn't to say that's how it is everywhere. Um, I think there are a number of places that write just absolutely fantastic reviews. Um, Kotaku, uh, I think Eurogamer does a fantastic job. Uh, Waypoint is doing fantastic work. There's a, I, there are a number of places, a personal number of personal blogs. Um, but I think what's interesting is all those things have one thing in common, and it's that they don't use scores. Um, and and it, maybe that's just that they share a certain philosophy. But I, I do think also, once you get rid of that, again, it just frees you up to approach a game less as this, you know, like a laptop or a new car or a... <laughs> an HVAC like you know you're not looking at it as it does it accomplish these things that we expect game to accomplish um and and that is so much more exciting for me and again it doesn't participate in that language that or, or just those numbers holding back 
what somebody's going to think about a game. Um, one of, one of my favorite games of all time is Earth Defense Force, the entire series, and it, it's a shame that like scores just don't gel with that game. It is broken um, in any number of ways. Every one of the games in that series is broken, um, and yet I, I could not recommend it more. And and I think there are. To this day, even though the series has been around for over a decade, I believe, nothing is doing what it's doing. Um, and I sometimes, like my, my anxiety, and I don't know if this is true or not, but my fear would be, oh, nobody's doing what this game is doing because it, it, it lives in the 60 to like 75 window. And any publisher that has to operate on some budget looks at that and says, well, it's interesting, but we would never do it because it's associated with that, that degree of quality. And that, that is a bummer to think that scores uh, in any way could be impacting um, future you know, game design decisions. This other evolution that's occurred right underneath us and around us as we've been running this whole website here is this concept of early access. Games don't have release dates anymore, Chris. They have multiple yeah. release dates. They don't just have a service model. They have an entire life cycle where different expectations are had from consumers at different points. When we put out our review of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, once it, quote unquote, was finished, right? Yeah. I don't know that there is an appreciable difference the day before or the day after. Yeah. <laughs> because that game continued to evolve and continues to evolve. And why shouldn't we have the flexibility to go back and, and dip in again and say something else? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the um, the PUBG review because that, that we gave that game uh, a 10. And I we got a lot, a lot of helpful feedback for it. That I I, I'm, I am happy to say that it, it definitely factored in um, in terms of solidifying my feelings about making this change, because again I, I I want the takeaway from reviews when people visit Polygon to not just be hey well I me personally well I love this game um, will this game be my anything and everything and more hey, is this game really, really interesting? And does it fit into culture in a fascinating way? And will I enjoy it? But also will other people enjoy it? And is there something to be gained personally about just it, loving that? That, you know, that like maybe this game isn't for me, but it's, it is compelling for a bunch of other people. And I can respect that. And I can respect that value um, rather than, again, well, this game got a 10 and the game I like got a 7. So now I'm mad at this game and the, this critic for um, seemingly devaluing what I like versus what they like. Um, it, it, again, it just plays into this weird... Um, toxic culture that has metastatized. Oh my gosh, I, I words are just not coming out of my mouth today. Just pretend I said the word right, um, and and become something that I don't think anybody wanted, but also something that a lot of people are afraid to kind of get rid of. One thing that it does, you know, pulling back the curtain ever so slightly, is it changes how we allocate our resources here behind the scenes at Polygon. We often get games early. 
We often get limited access to those titles and we have to make the highest and best use of those few codes that we have. And always in the past, there was a reviewer and they got one of the codes. And if there were any extra left over, they would maybe be given to the to the news team for editorial takes. They'd be given to Dave in, in um, guides so that he could get something together before the game came out. But it feels to me in a way that this makes it slightly more egalitarian across our team. We get to now choose the best person or the best and most interesting story that could come out of that person playing that title. Exactly. And, and again, like, just for clarification for people who haven't seen the post or anything, the Polygon Recommends badge can go on whatever that first thing is. Oh, interesting. What a, what a review is in terms of what we're going to let people know, um, hey, we recommend this, is a, a lot more fluid than it's been in the past. And, and it is not permanent. It is something that we will figure out, I think, as we go. But you're right that there is no longer the pressure of, well, the only person who can take this review project on is the person who can commit 40 to 80 hours to this game over the next week and drop everything and hit that. And again, my hope is that will result in the right people, um, the most passionate people talking about uh, the games they love versus a thing that ends up often happening across all of games writing is the people who get to um, write critically about games are just the people who have that time built into their schedule. And I think that's like sad and limiting and ultimately prevents more voices from talking about games. So I'm, I'm hoping again, we'll see how it goes as, as it progresses. We are kind of at day, day one, but my hope is that it means more people on our team will be writing uh, about things. And then ultimately, as we kind of get our sea leagues, that we'll have more people outside of Polygon being brought into this process. Chris, I am not done with you yet, but uh, before we go any further, we need to have another word from one of this week's sponsors. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash control. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter is going to scan through thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash control. ZipRecruiter.com, Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com slash C-O-N. T-R-O-L. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One of the interesting innovations that we've kind of made quietly, I think, we haven't really shouted it from the hilltops, but it's it's the introduction of this impressions category. And you can find those articles, www.polygon.com slash 
impressions. I've had the pleasure to write a lot of those in the last couple of months. Chris, what is an impressions piece? What What is this category of Polygon and what, what function does it serve? Oh, I'm turning that back on you because you have, <laughs> I, I, want, I want to hear you talk about it because you have done such a great job with it. I, well, what, what I've been using it for is to, to get that first blush with, with a game, I think is so informative and so energizing to a critic. You, you just get in there and you, you see what a title is all about. And often there is a lull in, in the first five to six hours, maybe before you get to hour 40 or hour 60, when traditionally, quote unquote, you'd be done. And in, in between there, it feels like a lot of potential stories either die on the vine because they're they're old news by the time you get quote unquote done with the game and, and can put up the review or you know they're just there's not enough room in your schedule to do that editorial work to do that critical work and and get those takes and do the review at the same time so what i've been using impressions for is is just that to give my impressions of the game to talk about the things that i see the game doing as I'm in it. One of the games that I just wrote up under impressions was Scum, which is this wild new survival game that just came into early access uh, yesterday. Uh, we're recording this uh, a bit ahead of time, but it came out into early access on, on August 29th. I had access to it a day or two beforehand. I couldn't put 40 hours into it because I had my other work to do in the newsroom, but I could get a couple of very interesting experiences in and I could write about those experiences and those features and make it relevant for our audience and well one of those features had to do with peeing and I thought that <laughs> I thought that was interesting right so the hardest part of scum was learning how to pee it took me 45 minutes in a in a Croatian men's room <laughs> trying to find the button but why is that illustrative why is that important and what does that say about how the game is structured and what the game is trying to do I don't think I need to wait for the game to come out of early access. I don't think I need to wait 40 hours till I've quote unquote finished it to get that into our audience's hands. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think we'll see kind of overlap between the ideas of what we've been using impressions for while we um, ramped down our old model overviews and as we ramp up Polygon Recommends and Polygon Essentials. Because you're right, there there is so much of this idea of how can we get the people who write about games to be playing them? Like, and and I that is like I think one of the weird, um, but sometimes sometimes okay fears. Sometimes. Uh, well, no, I mean, so, it's like no, every I mean, day. Okay. I'm like, please, can I go play a game? Can I just no, go play no, a game for a while? <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, an anxiety I think of some people who are readers, where it's like, hey, you know, you, you spend so much time writing about them. Are you making it like? Are you? Do you have your finger finger on the pulse of what's new? Right and. And again, having this like this obsession with like finishing every big game and dedicating just tons and tons of resources rather than, hey, we're going to just dive in and do what we can and report back to you um, what we find interesting and what is uh, really exciting or energizing or confusing or thought provoking uh, or aggravating about a game. It is so much more useful uh, now, um, especially if you use Steam and you're looking, you know, at dozens of games released today. Then, well, you know, we had enough time to review this small handful of things in their entirety, um, as if they were uh, very, very fancy exotic cars. Um, 
it it, it just for us and, I, and I, that's worth underlining it just doesn't feel sustainable for that to be our method as we you know make our way through 2018 and look into the future i think there are just going to be more games there are going to be more conversations to be had and it will be on us to be able to write better and more thoughtful criticism and also being even clearer on what we what we really put our name behind and what we encourage people to play and making that super easy for folks to know what that stuff is people who've been reading polygon for a while will notice some other changes at the website that have been coming for well years now so another quote from the piece that you put up on the website about the reviews policy with the permission to experiment from vox media's leadership we have shed the stifling expectations and limitations of a quote-unquote video game site. Unpack that for me, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think we're a video game site anymore. I don't think most video game sites are, are um, whatever video game sites were when we when we started this whole um, shebang. <laughs> and part of that is, like, very blunt. Uh, we have Matt Patches, our, our uh, senior entertainment editor, um, and a fantastic, truly fantastic team of reporters um, covering everything from comics to internet culture uh, to film and TV uh, and streaming. And and I think they're crucial to what our site is because I believe games have become the kind of center point from which uh, the rest of uh, pop culture makes its way out from. And, and I can see how that sounds over the top and hyperbolic. Um, but I'll, I'll make my case for it. And that is that so much of pop culture as we know it today has its origins in video game culture. So whether that is toxic uh, communities um, dating back to Gamergate, whether that is forum culture um, going back to 4chan uh, and something awful, the vast majority of people who stream do so off of a video game console. Um, so much of uh, streaming culture uh, like Twitch uh, originates from video game streams, YouTube personalities. You know, the biggest one is PewDiePie, a gaming person. It always feels like when you uh, grab onto a thread of popular culture and you pull it back long enough, you end up back at video games uh, in some fashion. And I think that gives us a expertise that a lot of pop culture publications lack. And it has made it natural for us to grow outwards, uh, kind of following video games to all these various endpoints. So there's that. But also, I, I just feel like there has been a maturity of video game coverage in the last decade and i think that's for a number of reasons i think gamergate was a big growing up period i think moving away from the kind of storied magazines uh coverage that largely originated from like arcade owners trying to decide what they want to buy and put in their arcades to make the most money which is uh very different than where we are now in terms of who is buying and reading about games um, I think that is a huge part. I think we are way more diverse than we were in, to, in terms of who writes and talks about and, 
and um, has the opportunity to write and talk about games. I think we have a long, long, long way to go. Um, but I'm, I'm still, you know, happy that we are not where we were when we started this site. I mean, it's no secret that it was a bunch of white dudes who launched Polygon. And I, I, I think Polygon looks very different now than it did then. And I think it's a trillion times better for it. Um, so for all of those reasons, I, I think we just aren't a video game site uh, in the sense that uh, Polygon was when it launched. And I think that is exciting. And like I said in, in that piece, it's really um, exciting that Vox Media recognizes that, that we don't work for a company that um, that this change happened and their instinct was, oh, we need to keep them in this box because we sell a video game website and that's what's good for us. Um, instead, we go to them and say, hey, we're blowing up reviews program, one of the most important parts of uh, any editorial publication. And they're like, yeah, that sounds right. Like, that sounds like the thing you should do. Um, and hey, we want to invest in entertainment. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds, I, I look at you at this site and, and that makes sense. And I think it's very rare to have a uh, corporate overlord of sorts that that can look at something that, like our, our publication that always does and will continue to skew young. And even if they don't always totally get who we are because we do skew young, um, they they recognize the authority in that. I sorry, I, I I'm riffing, but I, it reminds me of um I have a, a lot of friends who work in the entertainment industry, and a number of people who've worked with um Lauren Michaels at SNL, and they they always described him as, you know, there was a long time where he was the expert in comedy, um and that's why <laughs> SNL was was great, and he still is that in some respect, but his real gift was he knew how to surround himself with people who were younger and who could spot it for him once that time came. And, and I think like that, it's like that all the way down at Vox media. Um, I think we're always surrounding ourselves. Vox media is surrounding ourselves with us. We have hired people um, at our own team who really have their finger on the pulse of what pop culture is and what video games are and what the site can be and constantly hold us accountable to, to evolving into the fullest realization of what we can be. And I think, I think that's really exciting. So Chris, last week I, uh, I went over and I crossed the street to my neighbor's house. They're having a garage sale, introduced myself to, the, to them for the first time. And they asked me, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a games journalist. So what do I, what do I tell them next week? What am I now, Chris? You're just a journalist, my friend. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you for the time today. Thank you. And uh, no, no big deal. I'm looking forward to uh, moving forward and, and getting the work done. Yes, it's going to be really exciting. And I... I, this is a strange thing to say because I have not said this about uh, reviews in a long time, but I'm really excited for the feedback. Like even even the negative stuff, it's really exciting, and I feel like we now are on a path to just find out what this is, and I, and I have no doubt that our readership will help us do that. 
Thanks again, Chris. And thanks to you at home for listening today. I said this was a special episode this week, and I meant it. It's not every day that I get to uh, sit down with my boss and, and have a conversation like this. So it was certainly special for me, but it's also the second episode that this week. That's right. We've got a twofer for you. So be sure to look down the feed in your podcast player of choice and check out our conversation about Destiny 2 Forsaken. Are you are you planning on dipping into to Forsaken a little bit, Chris? Oh my gosh! Talk about you know one of those games that I could lose my entire life to. I'm 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 on the uh, is this really what I want to do right now, or are there too many other games coming out and I need to um, respect my health? Um, and you know what? I probably am not going to respect my health because those are usually <laughs> the the results that uh, just naturally happen with me. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably jump in. Nice. Well, we'll drop in with me, and I look forward to running a couple of raids for you here when we got some spare time. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Chris Plant. Thank you for listening to Polygots. Quality control. Keeping up with your competition is important. Taking the lead with unmatched innovation? That's impressive. Set yourself up to achieve more by running your apps on Microsoft Azure. Clear the way for unparalleled productivity with end-to-end development and management tools. Fearlessly integrate cloud capabilities across your environment with the only consistent hybrid cloud. Build the next generation of smart apps, discover transformative insights through artificial intelligence and real-time data, and scale across more global regions than you'll get from any other cloud provider. Microsoft believes every business and every organization, small and large, old and new, has something to gain by reaching beyond the limits of an on-premises data center. That's why Azure is the cloud for all. What will you achieve when you come to the cloud? Start experimenting and find out. Get started with a free account and 12 months of intelligent services at azure.com slash trial that's a-z-u-r-e.com slash trial you're listening to the vox media podcast network